This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Matt Addison with Ian Doyle and Theo Squires with me to preview this weekend's huge game against Manchester United. We'll also be taking a look back at the win over Atletico Madrid, which was on Tuesday night. And as ever, we will go chronologically and start with that 3-2 victory doily over Diego Simeone's side. I think we all said on Monday's podcast that there was no way that Liverpool could keep scoring three goals away from home. And as ever, they proved us all wrong. We were wrong. We were laughing at Theo. He said three all, but uh, he was he was very very close to being correct. There, yeah, it was a an interesting game. Certainly, someone must be talking about that yellow kit. Was it the Brentford game was three all? And I'm not I'm not entirely sure whether will they be playing in the red in the yellow kit on Sunday. I think it's the white one. I swear right. I saw something on Twitter saying it's the white one. <clears throat> right. Well. Okay. Well, that's well, at least won't be fifteen thousand goals. I don't think. Although there, there might be. We'll come to that later on, I suppose. But yeah, in uh, in Madrid, it was. It's a strange game, really, wasn't it? First, first 15, 20 minutes, it was all Liverpool. But then the minute that Atletico Madrid scored, got one back, which, you know, should it have been allowed? I must admit at the time, I didn't think it was offside. But then when they actually went through it at half time, it was like, well, actually, that probably should have been given as offside. Certainly in the Premier League, it would have been given as offside. And then they got the tails up and Liverpool again, for whatever reason, they, they seem to be this season throwing away an awful lot of leads. I know they're unbeaten, but what was it, twice against Brentford? Okay, they come through against Atletico. There's been a few other games where they've twice against Manchester City, for example. There's another one. So they have been a little bit slip shod and slapdash in that regards. But, you know, going forward, it was a, it was a difficult one really to rate the players, wasn't it? Because obviously that, that's what, what I did. And I gave nearly all of them six because you started off very well and then they just disappeared for a while. Second half, again, difficult to judge because of the red card for Griezmann, which don't think, you know, it, it's one of those, isn't it? When I was growing up, that's never a red card. But, you know, it's a foul. But he didn't mean it. But in this day and age, you can't really raise your feet. Certainly not in Europe. You can't raise your feet anyway. But first, certainly when you then put end up putting it in the face of an opponent. So, you know, he was always he was bound to go. A bit unlucky. I think everybody kind of assumed that. And then after that, Liverpool made a little bit of hard work of getting that victory. I mean, it was definitely a penalty for the foul on, on Jota. The interesting one for the Atletico Madrid one is that I thought it wasn't a penalty. But then when you saw the replay, there was clearly contact between them. And it's one of those ones where had the referee not given it, there's no way VAR would have said, take a look at this, do you think it's a penalty? But because the referee had given it, I was surprised that VAR then came and said, look, you need to have a look at this because there was contact between them. But I know Liverpool won't complain too much about that. I think, did they deserve the win? Well, you can't really argue with winning 3-2, as we said. You know, I think it had been nearly three years since Atletico Madrid last conceded three goals at home. They'd only ever lost one home game in, in Europe in that stadium, and that was the first one against Chelsea, and that was a last-minute winner. Um, so, in that sense, I don't think Liverpool, you know, they got nothing to complain about. No one no one got injured. Um, obviously, Salah got his two goals, although that first one, it took him about 20 minutes to decide he'd actually scored it, but it was still all his, all his work. Uh, and he got the penalty at the same end where he scored in the Champions League final against Tottenham, so that regard, everything fine, but I think there were, you know, Klopp said it afterwards, didn't he? He said it was a dirty win, didn't play at our best. The players were quite, you know, they came out were quite honest about it, saying, look, we've played a lot better than that, but we dug in, we got the win. We, and most importantly, unlike the Chelsea game earlier this season, they made the most of the fact that they actually were down, were playing a team that was down to 10 men. They uh, still a little bit nervy towards the end, but, you know, once Fabinho had come on at half time, I think that was something that Jurgen Klopp had said was a bit of a, 
he didn't name him directly, did he? But he said, would I, would I pick the same team again from the start? Probably not. That's clear inference is that he would have played Fabinho from the start. I think that one or two other players looked a bit tired. Jordan Henderson was one. Um, could argue the centre-backs, you know, Virgil van Dijk off. Would you see him get turned like that, the, the, the way that Griezmann did? Well, not even turned. He was just totally out of position, just facing the wrong way. So, unusual. And that had come from Matip stepping out as well. And you know, I'm sure we'll mention uh, Naby Keita as well a little bit later on, what happened with him. So, overall, you can't argue with a 3-2 two, two, two win at the Spanish Champions, let's not forget, which quite clearly was the best 3-2 victory of any English team in the Champions League this week. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We'll come on to another English team that did that a little bit later on. We'll come on to Naby Keita and a few sort of defensive issues a little bit later <coughs> on as well. But as ever, we have to mention Mohamed Salah. Theo, I thought Atletico actually did quite well to contain him in the most part, but he still comes away with two goals and is the Liverpool match winner. Yeah, that's basically what Mohamed Salah is doing this season when he's in this form. I think it was similar against Manchester City where he, he wasn't as most influential. We wouldn't have been on the ball or causing as much damage as he would have liked. But when he gets those key moments, he makes it count. Uh, it was a brilliant run for the goal. It definitely was his goal. Nowhere near James Milner, I think, from one one of the replays when they finally decided on it. But it's one where defenders are now terrified of him. He's taken it up to that next level where you can't stop him. As soon as he starts sprinting or he's dropping his shoulder, they're scared of taking him out. And it's not even as though this was in the box. Defenders are scared of taking him out. This is outside the box. So they could have conceded a free kick and got away with it. But he's just too quick for them. That's why he's the best player in the world at the moment. And he is capable of winning Liverpool games. Not on his own, but Liverpool can have poor games, not be at the best, and he can have a quiet game and you still back him to manage to get the three points out of sometimes nothing. It's why he has got this status and why he's reached this new level. It's why the uh, contract debate will wrangle on because at the moment he is winning Liverpool games. It's not becoming a case of can they afford to keep him, it's you can't afford to lose him because he has been so influential. The fact that the only game he's not scored in this season, he, he kind of did score in it. Was it? it was VAR that stopped him. All the goals, all the... Ooh. We might have lost the O there. Oh dear, so, uh, there. We've lost yeah. him. We've lost him there, haven't we? He's, he's, he's uh, in the office, isn't he? So... Oh dear. He is. Not, not a good sign for the Wi-Fi moving forward no, in the office. But, <laughs> we will, uh, we'll move swiftly on anyway. I'll... Uh, Sort of, well, I suppose I might as well ask you as well, Dorothy, about Mohamed Salah. I mean, I suppose at this point, there's not a great deal else to say about him. Is that we, we know how good he is. We know how important he's going to be. And I suppose you know, there's not much more we can say other than that. No, we can always say more. And we have to, to fill, fill time now, now that Theo's getting himself sorted. Um, but it was funny with Salah, wasn't it, when he got substituted towards the end and he had to do the walk around half of the half of the pitch in front of the Atletico Madrid fans. And they were you could see that they weren't giving him uh, the greatest reception. But in that in itself, is that's exactly what he'd want in here, isn't it? Because if he's do, if he's getting that kind of reception, he's obviously done something right to upset them. And, you know, he, he's done, you know, as, as Theo said, he wasn't particularly brilliant as such, but he still gets the two goals. You know, hold his nerve at the penalty. You've got to also bear in mind that his last penalty, that was in the Champions League, and he'd missed against AC Milan. So... Looking at the replay, it was quite interesting. I genuinely think he just changed his mind right at the last second as he was about to hit it because he saw the keeper go. So he went, I'm going to put it this side. But that's that's the sign of a great penalty taker, which is what he is. And he's a, you know, he's a great player. We've said before now that he's the best player in the world. And for him to do that on that stage, we see him all the time. 
people watching the champ, you know, a lot of people watch the Premier League, but the Champions League is still way up there in terms of, you know, importance and, and exposure. And hello, Theo, again. Uh, and we've, I'm not uh, sure how much of my answer you got there. Uh, new <laughs> office, I'm blaming the Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's and, great start uh, to life here. <laughs> and obviously the Champions League is, is, is the big tournament. More people are watching it and they'll have seen him go to, as I said, the Spanish champions, score twice, score a goal. That first goal, OK, yeah, it did take a deflection, but it was on its way in. That's why it's his goal. And as Theo said before, just before he got cut off, is the way he went past the players when they was outside the box and they didn't want to touch him. And I think that's something that, you know, the Watford players, Ben Foster said it, didn't he? The Watford goalkeeper last week, he said, look, he's an absolute nightmare because you don't want to get too near him in the penalty area because if you touch him, there's every chance he's going to go down, it'll be a penalty anyway. So, you know, City's found that a couple of weeks ago. Watford found that out on Saturday. Atletico Madrid found that out on Tuesday. And hopefully Manchester United will find that out on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And superb form at the moment. We'll come on to a few of the slight issues then. I think uh, Theo's Wi-Fi has been a bit sporadic so far. Naby Keita's performance, probably similar oh, on Tuesday seamless. night. That Theo. is absolutely seamless. <laughs> <laughs> Had enough time whilst Theo was away to, to come up with that little line. But uh, that has been a fair bit of criticism for Naby Keita, Theo, since that performance. But I suppose that's just inevitable. If you've taken off at, at half time and you've had a mixed performance, it, it sort of comes with the territory, doesn't it? And the fact that it's in Madrid as well, so it's the memories of the Real Madrid game last season where that happened to him. But it wasn't as though it was his worst performance. Like, Granted, they've run away from him a bit too easily for the two Atletico goals, but he scored a great strike himself. And the problem with Naby Keita is he's not the player that we thought he was or he's not been able to do that role that we saw from YouTube compilations. But then what player ever lives up to YouTube compilations? If he did, it'd be this midfielder scoring 25 goals a season running box to box and it's just not what you should expect he is filling more of this uh genie Wijnaldum sort of role and yeah it wasn't his best performance that's why he was substituted but remember it's against Atletico Madrid you're not going to take off your captain you need Jordan Henderson for that type of game when it is going to be an ugly match where it's nitty-gritty and you need James Milner for that sort of game when he's on as well so it really is out the three Naby Keita was the only one that could come off to get Fabinho on to get that added bit of defensive steal um, there's always going to be debate about Naby Keita. It's been the case ever since he joined the club, whether he deserves his place, whether they should just say, right, the experiment's not worked, we're going to have to cash in on him, or whether we can actually see a player that Liverpool thought they were signing from RB Leipzig, the player that was tearing up the Bundesliga that Jurgen Klopp was so excited to bring to the club in the first place. Um, it's probably a bit too late to say jury's still out because you're just expecting this now. You're going to see glimpses of his talent, sensational goals, and then you can have games where he's not at his best. I've seen, I've seen comments from uh, ex-players this week saying he's not good enough for Liverpool. It's probably a bit harsh because he has had some big moments for the club. It's just about consistency. And he's not got injured in this game, has he? It was just that they needed to make a tactical change to make sure they didn't lose. And it worked. It paid off. But you can see the logic in starting Cater against Atletico because you wanted to attack them from the off. And it paid off. It was just then Liverpool lost control of the game. And they needed to go a bit more defensive, get that steal in there. Um, he might not have been uh, a good performer for some of that half. And he might lose his place against Manchester United as a result. But he's still going to have big moments over the rest of the season. No doubt about it. Because Naby Keita, when he's on form, can be a match winner. Yeah, it's not been the worst start for a season for him by any stretch. He's been very good at, at times this season, but he's not the only one that's had a bit of a question mark over him this week in terms of the midfield. There was a bit of criticism for, for Milner and Henderson in midfield as well on Tuesday night. 
what did you make of, of their performances Doyle on Tuesday and is there any sort of concern about those two as, as much as there was for, for Cater do you think? Well, I thought Miller played all right, so I don't have any concerns with him whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> Henderson's slightly different, which we'll come on to in a minute. Interesting thing about about Milner is that I think he's actually played, the, he's actually started, sorry, the last four games for Liverpool. It's been three years since he started five in a row, which is incredible, really. When you, but then it's not incredible when you consider that what his role actually has been. You know, that's not counting him coming on a sub where he may have come on and subbed in half of those other games. So he's ended up making quite a lot of appearances for Liverpool. I didn't have a problem with Milner. And going back to Cater, I think, oddly, you don't mind so much that he got ran away from for the second goal. And you don't mind so much that he got done for a bit of skill for the first goal. You mind with the fact that they both happened one after the other within the space of, what was it, 15 minutes or something? That would have been the issue. Is that It isn't just one, it was the fact that it was both. And I think he was a bit unlucky in that sense. I think he's always going to be, because of the way that he is, the player that he is, when things like that happen, he's always going to be the most expendable of all the midfielders. Because, as Theo said, I think the jury's no longer out. We know what to expect. We know we, we know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get these performances that can sometimes be like they were on. I think, I think if you remember the one at Real Madrid, I think that's kind of an exception. He's never normally that bad. He was just, that was just a terrible night for him. You can get ones like... The one, in, the one on Tuesday where he does some good things, very good things going forward. If you go back and watch it, the amount of times that when he gets the ball in the in midfield and he's, the first thing is, I'm going forward now, bye. And he's pushing them forward. And that's what he's good at. And that's what he's best at. And that's what he was bought for. His defensive, you know, shortcomings. And I know that we've, we've heard about, um, you know, his pressing's very good. And when he's pressing in, in numbers, that's what made that, that kind of second goal a little bit odd. I mean, it was good. Also, it was good play by Joe Felix, you know, what was it? Atletico Madrid played a hundred odd million pounds for him, you know. Oh wow, who knew that he might actually cause some problems? And how much was Griezmann? About fifty million pounds, something stupid like that. I mean, other teams are allowed to have good players, you know. You know that's how you work it. out, because isn't it? He cost uh, Luis Suarez well, a couple of league <clears throat> titles and all this. Well, listen, it's, it's, it's still yeah, it's still a lot of money. You know what I mean? It's not as if they paid next to nothing for him, and he's he's absolutely rubbish. He's a France international who's won the World Cup, and did he score the World Cup final? Did he score? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did score the first goal. He was goal, star of the Euros as well, wasn't he? Too. Yeah, exactly. That. So like, this is a great player. So it's no wonder he scored twice. I mean, you can't, you, you know, it's it's you can't just blame all Liverpool, you know, your own players all the time when other players do good stuff. However, having said that, certainly for the first goal, Cater could have done better with Lamar. I think he got done a bit too easily. But going back to what I was, the point I was making about his defensive qualities, once he gets turned, that's when it's difficult for him. And that's where I think Liverpool were getting turned quite a lot in midfield because Henderson, I've come on to him now, did have a particularly good game. I think he looks tired. He'd not really played in that position properly. I think it was, um, was it Burnley he played there. I think he played so, because yeah. Fabinho couldn't play, but it was that. But with the greatest respect, that's Burnley, who just missed out midfield anyway and just belt it, belt it long for the most part. So that's slightly different to playing against a, a Let's Go Madrid team who certainly going forward once they get past the halfway line, they're all about um, they're all about movements, they're all about quick passing and that kind of thing. And that's where you need your positioning. Certainly, you saw Fabinho within about two minutes of him coming on, he made that tackle on Felix, and then that kind of sorted things out a little bit or sent out a message that Atletico weren't going to be able to run through quite as much as, as they did in the first half, certainly the second half of the first half. And that's why Cater went off. So I think um, I agree with Theo that Cater is going to have plenty of games this season. Just think it's one of those. I just think he's always going to be an enigma. And the interesting thing as well is that he has, 
this kind of core support, doesn't he? Certainly on social media, they just think that he should never ever be criticised. But you know, you know, journalists such as myself and some of my former colleagues came in for quite a bit of stick just by saying, look, this was just very much what Cater does. And they probably didn't read it, let's be honest, just look at the headline. That's what too, too, that happens too often. But we're not, it, 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 we're not against him in any way, shape or form. It's just look at what the manager does. He subbed him. We didn't sub him. You know, the manager subbed him. You know, if, you, if you've got a problem, have a word with him. But uh, overall, with Kate, as I said, I think he certainly, I, th- I can see why he got subbed. I think overall on performance level, certainly Henderson wasn't as good as him. I think Milner was okay. I think Fabinho made a, ma- a massive difference when he came on. And I also think that he will, as I say, he'll get. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against Man United, for example. And I wouldn't even be worried in the slightest if he did. Is there an argument at all, Theo, that maybe we'll see the best of Naby Keita away from these big games? Maybe it's a Watford or a Crystal Palace or, or a team like that that maybe Naby Keita is, is built for and maybe Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, teams like that, Manchester United even at the weekend, even though he could start. Is it maybe in the, the lesser games that we see the best of Naby Keita? Um, I think he's just a very hot and cold player. Um, like he has had some good moments against big teams as well. Like I think he scored that sensational goal against Chelsea when they won the league when they lifted the league a couple of years ago. You think, well, we've just been saying how good he is at pressing. Well, if you press Manchester United in midfield, for example, you will come out on top. Like We know Manchester United are weak in midfield, so it could be a game that's made for him and it's nothing to do with the size of the teams. He is just a little bit inconsistent. You think the performances we've had um, come from him in these last two games... Well, they're saying he played really well against Watford, wasn't at his best against Atletico. But that was one of the things, um, all the clips from the international break and the reports from the international break had said he'd been playing really well for Guinea. He's just a hot and cold player uh, for whatever reason. I'm guessing it's one where he needs a run of games to find form. And you're never going to get that in a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool midfield because it takes so much out of the players. That's why they have so many options and why they rotate. Um, as long as he does step up when he is uh, selected most of the time, that's what you take from him. And it's one where, yeah, maybe he is better for games against the lesser teams because you're not needing him to be as defensive-minded. You're allowing him to have more freedom to get forward, influence the attacking game more. But he can still, I suppose, adapt to this defensive side because that's what we've seen from him during these first few weeks of the seasons where he's not been quite as offensive when he has been sort of filling the Gini Wijnaldum role of holding on to the ball, retaining possession, rather than bursting into the penalty area. He's learning his role if he is going to be more withdrawn. And it's just a case of, well, whatever you can get from him is a bonus now. He isn't the player that Liverpool fans thought they were going to be seeing, but he's still won a Premier League. He's still won Champions League and all this. He has had a good Liverpool career, just not an exceptional one. Um, but he's still got plenty of time to turn it around and have some big moments. Like Divo Carigi's greatest moment was against Barcelona. Who'd have seen that? Like they, some players just turn up against it. There's still plenty of time for Naby Keita to have big moments in Champions League or Premier League games. He could have one this weekend against Manchester United. Um, it's far too early to be writing him off and saying he just comes out against the smaller sides. But he, he does need to find some consistency. Absolutely. It'll certainly be interesting to see whether he is in Jurgen Klopp's starting eleven on Sunday. And we will come on now to preview that game with Manchester United, the most important game of this week. I think it goes without saying. Liverpool won 4-2, of course, at Old Trafford last season, Doyley, but there were no fans inside the stadium at that point. How different will the occasion be this time? 
well, a hundred percent difference. Let's be honest. Um, there were lots of fans there when uh, on the pitch when we tried to play the game <laughs> first time round. <laughs> I was outside for, for nearly four hours, getting a bit. Actually, to be honest, it didn't rain. It was just it was just like what on earth is going on? And then we saw the fans, some of them coming past a bit later on. One with a carrier bag. I don't know what he'd been. He'd gone like done his Tesco shopping, I think, and made mention of it at the time on the podcast. Go, where's he been? You know, it looked like he'd just, you know, well, just pop in and just go onto the pitch here. Now I'm on my phone now. I've got me, got me tea. Bye. Um, anyway, yeah. So basically, there'll be 70 odd thousand Man- Manchester United fans. We've seen Liverpool in the past, not just under Klopp, but under various managers. The record at Old Trafford's appalling. It's terrible. It's, I mean, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but the winner, the win. Which let's be let us be honest, we can't hold as much stock in that win, that four-two win, as if there'd been fans there. We can't just come around and say, "Oh, Liverpool only, Liverpool only lost those six games at home last season because there was nobody there." Well, they only won four-two against United because there was nobody there as well. I mean, they may have won, but it probably wouldn't have been a game like that. And even then, even then, it was they only got made it four-two in the, the last minute, and United still had a chance to score, didn't they? Straight after it, I seem to recall. Yeah, so it's never easy against United. I mean, these people. He was thinking, oh, Liverpool could just turn up and roll them over. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Although, you know, I've been there when they won 3 0 and 4 1. But, you know, the 3 0 game was the very end of the David Moyes reign, and, and Liverpool needed about 17 penalties in that game. And uh, the other one was when Ben Vidic got sent off, didn't he? Um, so that's a, that was a contributory reason for Liverpool win, uh, sorry, uh, winning 4 1. So I think since 2002, they're the only three wins, aren't they? I think that's right. Yes, that's yeah, twenty that, years. That last season was the first last, in the clock, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> even when Liverpool, remember they had they had the winning record and they were going for the the record of most wins in a row. They went to Old Trafford and had to scrape a last, you know, not last minute, but a very late equaliser through Lallana, which they deserved. But they'd been awful first half, and the amount of times they'd just frozen in, in at Old Trafford in front of all those supporters, I just don't really understand it to be honest, because. Because concert let's go Madrid, which is far more volatile, and just won three two, and they've won at loads of other venues, and their away record's brilliant. So, what's the pressure? I don't know. Goodison. Well, like with Goodison, they don't lose though, do they? They don't lose. Yeah, but they still don't win. Is it? These are the games where they don't quite perform and part historically yeah, in the pop where it's a bit more conservative. Mm, it could be something to do with that, but hey, we'll, we'll obviously we'll get onto the team selection in a bit. But I do think Liverpool can't afford just to sit back and allow United to somehow dictate things because United's massive weak point is the midfield. So I'm pretty sure that where Liverpool will want to get on top very early on is in that area and that will depend on who they pick. And look, that's the conversation we just had about three or four minutes ago about the midfield was a bit of an issue against Atletico. So it will be interesting. But yeah, I think the 4-2 win, it looks nice, but it's not the same game and it'll be a completely and utterly different game. When uh, when they play on Sunday, because it'll just be a completely different atmosphere, and United, we can absolutely guarantee, will be massively, massively up for it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying six out of the last ten have been draws, so it's always a bit of a cagey one. I think it's difficult to work out quite how United will play this one, Theo. I think in an ideal world, they'd quite like to sit back and counterattack because that's what they're very good at, but. I do just wonder if the crowd and the intensity will let them do that or whether they will want them to go out and, and push and press Liverpool, which is maybe not something that they're as good at Liverpool at being able to do. It's going to be a tough one for them. I suppose uh, 
the Atalanta games made it completely different for them because if they'd come into that, um, come into this one off the back of a defeat there as well, then they'd be really up for this. But the pressure would be on massively as well, and you'd be asking questions, more questions about Solskjaer's future. Like, we know what Liverpool's strengths are. We know what Manchester United's weaknesses are, and on paper, that is where the game is won. Liverpool are very good at pressing and putting teams under pressure. That high, relentless attacking football where it's counter-attacking and making teams pay. And that is where United are weak in the middle of the park where players don't have that work rate, where they can be caught on the ball. And Liverpool could make them pay in that respect. But it's Liverpool-Manchester United. These games don't follow uh, traditional patterns. Like Teams can just turn up. Like United do turn up in this fixture a lot, whereas Liverpool will have some of their quieter moments. It's one where the first goal could be crucial. Be if Liverpool start really well and get an early goal, then they could get a comfortable victory. But if United get the first goal, it's going to be more like the two years ago, where it could be that counter-attacking, uh, waiting for a late equaliser, just knocking on the door. Um, you've just got to see what happens on the day, who turns up. We know how good Liverpool can be when they're at the best, but if they play like they did against Atletico Madrid, where they weren't, United could make them suffer. It's where they're Liverpool can get caught out by the pace. We're talking about the defence. Virgil van Dijk's still coming back from a serious injury. Joel Matip, while they're in good form, they're still leaky. They're still conceding goals. Um, if you've got, I don't know, we've got Marcus Rashford, if he's fit. Uh, Mason Greenwood's had a good start to the season. It could be a game for Jane Sancho to actually turn up. And then there's Cristiano Ronaldo. They've still got Edison Cavani. They've still got Anthony Martial. They've got so many attacking talents. It only takes a couple of chances for them and they will be scoring. Uh, maybe it'll be a, a bit too much to say, oh, it's going to be a three-all draw, but you'd imagine there are going to be goals in it. It's just He's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> it, it almost worked last time, so we can go along. I'll say three-all and it'll finish 3-2. Liverpool, we'll, we'll find out. But yeah, Liverpool, um, they need to play better than they did against Atletico Madrid, and they need to make sure that they actually make Man United's weaknesses in midfield. They need to suffer for that. If they can win that midfield battle, they should come out on top. We'll come on to, to Cristiano Ronaldo in a, a second, but just on the, the midfield, Jurgen Klopp, we know, confirmed this morning or early this afternoon that Curtis Jones will be back uh, for this game. Is there an argument to, to put him straight in, do you think? And I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking possibly the reason they didn't risk him against Madrid was maybe with this one in mind. There is, and we'll find out when we pick our team whether or not yeah. we're going to put him in it. <laughs> but yeah, I, can you I, give I us think... a spoiler? Uh, no, 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 no spoiler alerts or anything like that. I was about to say, is that no, you're not playing him, or is that no, no spoiler? That's no, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. <laughs> no, no, spoilers. no, no. no we, we, we don't want to. Do. We want to keep people interested because we know everybody's hanging on what I'm thinking the midfield's going to be. Let's be honest. Um, it's going to be all over <laughs> news now, isn't it? Liverpool journalists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lack of respected Liverpool journalist. Yeah, uh, just respected Liverpool journalist, even. Um, so I don't even know words. Don't even know why I'm doing journalism, to be honest. Um, Curtis Jones, yes. I think that's pretty obvious that he's going to have a big part to play. That's not ruining it for anybody. I think he... Did he play in the 4-2? He certainly set up the last goal, didn't he, for Sally? Put him away. I'm not sure whether he started. But he definitely started in the FA Cup game when he started on the left wing. I seem to remember in the attack. And he then got shifted to a kind of central area. And he did quite well, actually. So... You know, and also it's the old thing about it's it's a local player playing against Man United. He'll be absolutely well up for it. You know, what Curtis Jones is like he loves this kind of thing. So, and forget any of that. When he was playing before his injury, he was in the team and he was playing really well. So, in in that respect, 
he's he would be very much worth his place, which he may or may not get, depending on what we say later on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We will come on to our team selections in, in not too long, but I think we do have to touch on Ronaldo Theo. As I mentioned before, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said before that he would back Cristiano Ronaldo ahead of Mohamed Salah. I'm not sure any of us would agree on that at this moment in time, but Ronaldo is sort of a big game, big game player, a man for the big occasion, and Liverpool will have to, to take care of him this weekend. Yes, they will, but he hasn't got the best record against Liverpool in terms of stepping up. Um, I think he's only scored two or three against them. One of them was for Real Madrid at Anfield. Um, we remember the Champions League final where, granted, Real Madrid beat Liverpool, but it's not as though he was at his influential best. And he has had a strange season so far. Like He's scored goals, but there are games where he's perhaps not gone missing, but he's not been as influential as you'd expect him to be. He is a terrific player. He is one of the very best the game has ever seen, and he is capable of scoring goals. But he's not this player that United fans really remember when the quick winger trickery or even when he went more central he is now just six yards sort of finisher isn't he? he stays in the box yes he can still dribble yes he can still run but that's where he does the damage in the six yard box in the penalty area ball at his feet and if he gets a chance he will score you need Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip to be their very best to keep him quiet because you know United will be trying to get him on the ball as much as possible to take chances and to win them this game but you compare him to Mohamed Salah right we're saying Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world at the moment. Cristiano Ronaldo has been one of the top two players in the world for the past decade, 15 years. That, that crown's been taken now. The Egyptian king has that crown now for me this season. So it's, who's winning games this season? Mohamed Salah. He's scoring in every game. He's setting up goals. He is winning Liverpool games. Ronaldo is scoring and they aren't always winning games. Like They've lost in the Champions League. They've brought the League Cup. They've lost games in the Premier League to lesser teams. They've dropped points. That's why there's already this big gap in the title race. So who's going to be the difference on the weekend? Well, on form at the moment, you'd say Mohamed Salah is more likely to get Liverpool a win than Ronaldo would get Manchester United a win. But it's Liverpool versus Manchester United and it's Cristiano Ronaldo. So 89th minute penalty, Ronaldo, that could easily be part of the narrative. You never want to write it out off. You never want to say something like that because it could come back to bite you. Liverpool have to be aware of him. They will respect him massively. And I think it's one where the United probably need a bit more from him. It's the sort of game where you expect him to step up and make a difference. But then you wouldn't be surprised if Virgil van Dijk stepped up and kept him in his back pocket either. Yeah, certainly a big battle between those two. I think I am expecting Ronaldo to have an impact at some point. It just feels like that kind of occasion that he'll want to stamp his mark on. Just before we pick our, our teams, I know there was a lot of sort of talk of combined 11s earlier in the week. I know Jamie Carragher and, and Gary Neville did a couple of combined 11s on Monday Night Football. I'm not going to ask you to, to both take us through your own combined 11s. Well, but... We've done one. Yeah, done it. Done done it. Oh, in fact, OK, yeah. let's do it then. Let's do it then. I think for me, there are two players. I think Doidy might disagree with me on one of them because it's Bruno yeah. Fernandes. Did you see him most of the game against uh, Atalanta? You just kept on passing it to Atalanta? Anyway. I, I still think he's a, a very good player anyway. Um, yeah, Bruno Fernandes and, and Cristiano Ronaldo are the two that would get into my combined 11. But Doidy, I don't want to spoil the, the piece, but is it is it very Liverpool-weighted, your team? Uh, yeah. Um, basically, <laughs> the back six are all Liverpool players, so that's sorted. And you've got two of the forwards are Liverpool players. So then you've got three positions. And the interesting thing is, probably you'd, you'd have to play Ronaldo just because it would, it would just be annoying. 
Right? You know, you have to still admit that he is quite good at football, even though he can't run. So he, he, he'd be up front. I picked Pogba. All right. I picked Pogba because I think Pogba's probably United's most talented footballer. And I know lots of people say, you know, Graeme Sooners will be on to me in a minute. But the thing I think the thing about Graeme Sooners is that the reason he gets so frustrated is because he probably thinks the same that I do. That he's, he's brilliant. He's quite clearly brilliant at football. And when he plays for France, he's in the correct position. And look how good he is. You know, he's, he's won the scored in the World Cup. Another one that scored in the World Cup final. Liverpool just keep on coming up against them at the moment. So, you know, he's if he plays, and if I was Manchester United, I'd be playing Pogba on Sunday and I'd be playing him in the number 10 position. And I'd just say, just go and do whatever you want. That's what I'd be 100% be doing if I was United. Not that, you know, not that Solskjaer listens to this podcast. Although he is a Liverpool fan, don't forget. Um, boy, You're not really this time. No, not, not this time, no. Bored with that now. <laughs> He's been there too long. I think everybody knows it by now. Um, no, I'd put out a Pogba and Ronaldo and then that third midfielder, you just pick a Liverpool midfielder. It doesn't really matter which one or such because it depends on who the, you know, the Liverpool's midfield. It depends on who they're playing against. You could pick Henderson. You could pick Thiago. You could pick Curtis Jones. Am I saying Curtis Jones is a better footballer than Bruno Fernandes? Probably not, no. Not at the moment. But Paul Pogba's better than Bruno Fernandes, so he's playing in that position. So that would be, you know, my my joint team is basically the Liverpool team with Ronaldo and Pogba. Interesting. Very close to mine, but I went with Fernandes in the number 10. Theo, can you give us a bit of an insight into your combined team as well? Um, well, mine basically is just two-footed half the United team, saying the midfield's not very good and they've got uh, the most expensive defender in the world who was responsible for what conceding for four goals last weekend. He was out Liverpool. fit. That wasn't his fault. He should never have been playing anyway. That. I felt a bit I sorry for him. That. Whereas Liverpool have got a free transfer. He's in the best form of his career. So like Doyley, Liverpool dominate the back five. Um, probably make that back six. I know our counterparts at the MEN are saying... Um, De Gea is in better form than Alisson at the moment. They didn't watch the Atletico game or <laughs> any other game Liverpool this season. As Alisson is very much back to his best and one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the world. And then it is the same debates, isn't it? You're going to have Salah in there. You're going to have another Liverpool forward in there. You're going to have him dominating most of the midfield. It's Ronaldo and then Pogba or Fernandes. I've gone for a 4-2-3-1 and that should tell you which one of the two I'm going towards. I can tell Matt might have clocked it by that little smirk there. Uh, but yeah, it is the one of those class two. Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> you have to read the piece to find out. <laughs> okay, I'm sure we will when that comes out. But uh, just before we finish then, we'll pick our actual Liverpool teams for the game. We know Alisson will be in goal. I presume we're both, or all I should say, going for the same back four as well. So presuming that is no, the case. No, I'm not. no, I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm slightly concerned with the, the two centre-backs. And I'm going to go with Joe Gomez instead of Matip. Interesting. Theo, are you with me in, t- in terms of Matip and, and Van Dijk? Or is there an argument for a change, do you think? Um, it's one where you'd like to rest Van Dijk, but you're not going to see that happening against Manchester United. That That's going to be uh, Preston on Tuesday night. Um, was it before the, the first, the third round game? where you thought, oh, Klopp will just play Canate and Gomez against Norwich, but then he gave Canate a game, didn't he? That was against the game. Palace, Palace. Yeah. 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 So but maybe, then he played anyway, didn't he? He played yeah, anyway, didn't he? Yeah. Maybe it will be a one case where he makes the change, but I think still <clears throat> you expect to see Liverpool's first choice back five, knowing full well that we can pick a team and Jurgen Klopp rarely 
picks the same team as us because he always throws out a curveball. So maybe Doyle will be right, but then we've seen Doyle be wrong a few times as well. So I, I'll go with you on this one, Matt, just Never because wrong. it's the safer bet. But <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Doyle's right either. Yeah, I think there's, there's been long enough from Tuesday that you can throw Matt in a game for sure. In terms of the midfield, I'm going to go with Curtis Jones. I think Fabinho is an absolute certainty to come in and then Jordan Henderson will be there as well. Are you the same, Doyle, or is there maybe a, a Milner or a Cater in there? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Fabinho and Jones are definitely playing. Come back to me on the third one. Go to I can't end. see Henderson not playing, though, can you? I, I, was, he's looked really tired the last couple of games. He's, he's not, not been particularly great. So he mm. looks like somebody who was out for ages, came back on adrenaline and then just isn't, you know, he's struggling to get back to his, his best form. Well, he's not a full pre-season, has he? Um, well, with the yeah, Euros, that's, that's probably all counts against him. Like you think Van Dijk had the summer off, had a full pre-season, so he could at least <laughs> go flying into the season. Henderson wanted to play in the Euros. Yeah, he had a reasonable Euros considering he was at sub for pretty much the whole thing. But then it delayed return for pre-season and he's just been thrown straight back into the mix and that, that's counted against him. But it's a game where he has to play, doesn't he? You, you want to give him a rest, but you can't drop your captain for Manchester United away. It would have been one we potentially could have if James Milner hadn't played in midweek. But you're not going to see Milner play three, get four games in a row in midfield, are you? So Henderson will be starting, Fabinho will be starting, and then it's Curtis Jones or Naby Keita. And I am leaning towards Curtis Jones just because he was in such good form before the injury. It's harsh against Naby Keita, but as we've been saying earlier in the podcast, local lad, it's Manchester United. We'd like to see him step up and uh, make his own little name in the getting in the lights, make his big moment like we've seen Steven Gerrard do in the past, like we've seen Liverpool fan Danny Murphy do in the past, all these local English lads, Curtis Jones' turn. And I'm going to get gonna, him stick for saying that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to change my mind and say, I can't play Gomez and Milner, so I'm going to put Matip back at centre-back and I'm going to play Milner. Milner, because he had a... He had a he definitely had a good game in the FA Cup game there last year. I think he had just handed both goals, didn't he? Wait, he Milner said, right back or Milner centre mid? No, Milner centre mid. Milner centre mid with Fabinho and Curtis Jones. Which Interesting. Blow minds there, I know. But then, yeah, no, I, basically I just... heard what I've said and then thought, going to do complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we're on the same page in terms of the front three, which I think we probably will be. I think this is an absolutely tailor-made game for Roberto Firmino. And then, obviously, Salah will be there and probably Sadio Mane on the opposite side doing. I'm going to go with the... No, I'm not really going to read. Uh, I think I'm going to go with those three, yeah. Uh, with Jota definitely coming on. It's a shame. If Thiago had been fit, I think this was a game where he'd have just gone in and just started yeah. messing about, you know, just doing it here, there and everywhere. And I think he's someone I've mentioned in a couple of pods recently. He's... He has been missed, as far as I'm concerned. Don't forget Liverpool. Okay, I know when you played something like four games or something daft like that, but Harvey Elliott started the season in very good form. So Liverpool have already lost two players who were kind of in and around that team at the beginning. So, yeah, I think um, I think it'll be that three with Jota to come on. And then then if it's my team, then you've got Henderson and Cater and the centre-back options. And So there's enough there for Liverpool if they want to change things. Yep. Theo, what's your front three? Are you uh, in agreement? Uh, yeah, tried and trusted. It's still a first-choice front three for me. Roberto Fabino's in form, whereas Jot has had not as a lively season as we've seen from him last year. But it's the sort of game where you can see Jota off the bench, point to prove, grab a goal, grab an important goal. He scored, didn't he, Old Trafford last year? Yep. Um, and then it's against his compatriots, isn't it, in uh, Fernandez and Ronaldo. Let's see uh, if uh, Jota can be the one making headlines off the bench as opposed to the 
A-list names that United have got. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of options for Jurgen Klopp to pick from, so it'll be interesting to see which ones he does go with. Just before we finish then, we'll do our usual match predictions. I'm going to go for 3-1 to Liverpool, I think. I'm going to go, go bold. <laughs> it's not so, have you watched any football ever in the past? <laughs> yes, He's I just have. to the uh, three goals away from home run, isn't he? Three goals away from home, I think. <laughs> I think, I think Mohamed Salah steals the limelight from Cristiano Ronaldo. Doddy, you uh, disagree? I think United are going to win 2-1. I oh, just think I'm it's sure totally... You know, we, don't, we never say that Liverpool are going to get beat on this podcast, do we ever? No, but I think no. if they're going to lose one, I think this is just massively set up for United. Totally. They've got absolutely... As, as Theo said before, they've got the... They, in, they'll be in the mood for the game no matter what, but because they beat Atalanta, it's a free hit for them. It's a free hit. You know, I I think they know they're not going to win the league, United. I think they know that. They know they're probably going to finish in the top four, but Liverpool think they've got a chance of winning the league, and they have. But to do that, they're going to have to go to places like this and get a result. You know, you are going to lose games along the way, but if Liverpool win this, they'll be seven points clear of United. And, you know, they're not out of the race then, there and then, but it makes it very difficult for them to come back. Certainly with the fixtures that I think United have got coming up. I think this is their first tough game, isn't it, of, of quite a few. So... Mm. I think it's a massive deal for them. I think Liverpool, if they do have one weakness, is dealing with the crowd at Old Trafford. And obviously, I want to get proven wrong, but, you know, as you said before, Ronaldo, 86th minute header from a corner that shouldn't have been given, that kind of thing. You can see that. You can see that happening with Liverpool playing probably better than they probably did when they won 4-2, but not getting a result. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but as I say, that's what I think will happen. Yeah, that's the important thing, isn't it? Dealing with the crowd, making sure they get on top of that. And I do fancy them. If they can do that, I think they are a much better team. But uh, Theo, what do you reckon it might be? You're going for another 3-3? <laughs> There's going to be uh, late goals. You think um, last season, was it Fernandez last minute winner in the FA Cup? Obviously, Salah scored late on year before. Would have been Lalana late equaliser. So it's going to be drama right until the end. Uh so we saw, what, five goals and six goals last year. Should I go for a five-goal thriller, 3-2 <coughs> Liverpool? Make it similar to Atletico with another late goal. You're not happy there with that one, Doyley? No, I don't like positive. these late goals things. At least it's a half-four kickoff, so I've got a bit more time to write my stuff. But no, not if it was and 8 o'clock. And you've got me there, giving you a lending hand on this one as well. Yeah, Three yeah. Man. Don't, none, none of these late goals for these eight o'clock games. Thank you very much. For the derby, then. That's what we're saving that one for. 8-15? <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? Oh, anyway. Yeah, anyway, 3-2 Liverpool. That's for another Mohamed Salah scores, Cristiano Ronaldo scores, but Salah and then Jota off the bench, whatever. I think I said that earlier, it's all the consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, whatever happens, we'll have all of the reaction in all of the usual places across the Echo, Liverpool.com and the Blood Red channel. We'll be back with the Blood Red podcast on Monday, as well as we bring you all of the rest of the reaction post-match and throughout the rest of that week. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, from Ian Doyle and from Theo Squires, enjoy the game. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.